Dave and Ryan's movie review and action. Everyone loves going to the movies. And while some are amazing, some are awful. Fortunately, we have Dave and Ryan, two guys with nothing better to do than watch movies of today and movies of yesterday. So get your popcorn ready, silence your phones, and relax, because the show is about to begin. Cue Dave and Ryan in three, two, one. It's Dave and Ryan's movie review. Sponsored by Nobody. Welcome in to Take 34. Wow, we're getting there. We're getting old. We're almost ready. We can sell this into syndication and get rich. Yeah, when can I start collecting Social Security? I don't know. That's up to you. Uh, uh, Dave and Ryan's movie review this week. A lot of things going on. It's kind of a fun show because we actually did our first interview this yeah. show. Yep. Uh, we're going to speak a little later in the program with Warren Workman from the Utah Film Awards. Great conversation, yeah. and uh, we're going to talk about that. But, you know, before we get anywhere, what do we got to do? Go to Chicago. Well, we're going to go to Hollywood. Close, though. Close enough. Welcome to Hollywood Boulevard, the place of glitz, glamour, and dreams. Just kidding. This place is a dump. That's why Dave and Ryan come here each week. You get the news from Hollywood without fearing for your life on the Walk of Fame. It's This Week in Hollywood. All right, Jennifer Coolidge. Do you love Jennifer Coolidge or do you not? I think it, I think you fall into two categories when it comes to Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> she's all right, I guess. I, I love Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah. Anyway, uh, she wins her second primetime Emmy for The White Lotus. She has been asked to jump on board Warner Brother Vertigo Legendary's feature Minecraft video game that is shooting in New Zealand. Have you seen this one? No, I'm not a big Minecraft fan, so I could care less. Well, but it, you know, good for her. My daughter loves it, and she loves her. So oh. here we go. Uh, she joins the posse already in place. Uh, Jason Momoa, Jack Ooh. Black, Emma Myers, Daniel Brooks, and Sebastian Eugene. Hanson, whoever those people are. <laughs> uh, directed by Jared Hess, who directed Napoleon Dynamite. Good good job. He's moving out into the, uh, the big like world. Did you like Napoleon Dynamite? It was okay. I think we've had this discussion about yeah. Napoleon Dynamite before. Yeah, it, I w- wasn't a fan. I didn't hate it, but not as much as you did. <laughs> I, I just feel like, as we all... This is my little rant soapbox on Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, I feel like in high school... We all either were or knew a Napoleon Dynamite. This is true. This so is true. That, that's how I kind of looked at that. Okay. Or, right. or a Pedro. Or a Pedro. That's correct. And in fact, you know, you, you go through to see who's at the Sundance Film Festival this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Efren Martinez is there. Yeah. That, so that, started, that started this weekend. It did, yeah. Uh, other names that are out. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is in town, I guess. Christopher Nolan's here. Marco Robbie is here. Don't go stalking anyone now. Dave. You ruined my weekend. I got the van all gassed up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chad Stolesky inks packed with Lionsgate to have oversight of John Wick and Highlander franchises. I'm kind of excited about the Highlander movies. Yeah. um, The one with Sean Connery was Highlander 2. Well, he was the first one. That was the first first one. one? Yeah, Sean Connery's character was... He was an Irishman playing a Spaniard. A Spaniard, yes. Uh, this go around Highlander. The Highlander will be played by Henry Cavill, Ooh. which sounds interesting. And I just want to see if they if it's a true reboot or if they're going to take it in a different direction. I want to see who they get to play that Sean Connery role if it's a true reboot. Yeah, I, wasn't there a TV series too? There was. Yeah. Uh, what was Adrian Paul? I think was his name. Yeah. A really a long-lasting TV series, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the TV show was a lot better than the movie. Yeah, there you go. And John Wick, of course, uh, they have that ballerina spinoff that's set to to hit this summer, and he's already an ex- executive producer on that film. So I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where we're going to go with Highlander, because if you watched um, Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby knows it is the greatest movie ever yeah, made. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, but you beat me to it. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, the Critics' Choice Awards were handed out. Just a, a few quick winners. Uh, animated feature, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I think we, we both kind of agreed on that yeah, movie. It was, yeah. all, it was not a bad movie. Uh, Divine Joy Randolph won a Supporting Actress for The Holdovers, repeating her win still for want, the, still uh, watch that. the Golden Globes, as did uh, Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer. Yeah, good for him. I'm Just Ken wins for Barbie, Best Song. Uh, let's see. Screenplay. Get a Ger- Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach for Barbie. Pretty cool. Best comedy was Barbie. Acting ensemble was Oppenheimer. Uh, Career Achievement Award winner, Harrison Ford. And I don't know if you caught any of his speech. I didn't. He, he comes out and, and basically, I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase it here. He can comes he do out it in his said, voice? No, I don't think I can. <laughs> but he comes out and he thanks them for the Lifetime Achievement Award. And he goes, and I'll quit talking now because there are other things that are more important about tonight. <laughs> so you got to love Harrison Ford. In fact, he's in the movie we're talking about today. Ooh. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, yes, he is. Let's see. Visual effects went to Oppenheimer. Hair and makeup went to Barbie. Emma Stone, best actress for Poor Things. Paul Giamatti, best actor for nice. The Holdovers. Uh, director went to Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. And Oppenheimer also won for best picture. So uh, we'll be talking. In fact, what did we decide? All next week. Yeah, it's all Oscar the season. Show next week. On Tuesday, the 23rd, we will get the nominations. So all the, the entire show next week, we will be dedicating to the Oscars. Talk about who we think is going to win, yeah. who I know is not going to win. Ryan Goslin, I'm looking at you. <laughs> and just talk about the Oscars because it is, it is award season. season. Yeah. You gonna you gonna wear your tuxedo? I might. Yes. I might. I'm not gonna wear my gown. Why not? Because well, all right, I'll have to wear the gown. Yes, you will. Uh, box office uh, number five. Anyone but you. Eight point five million dollars this week brings its total to fifty six point seven. That one's been there for a while. A little bit hanging around. Migration. I still liked that movie. It was fun. Number yep. four this week. Number four last week. Eight and a half million. Uh, hitting 88.1. Wonka drops from number one to number three, Ooh. pulling in 11 million, taking its total to 178 million. The Beekeeper, 18.7 million. And Mean Girls, the musical, number one with 33.6 million. Did you see the original Mean Girls? Yes. My kids made me watch uh, it. Are you going to go see the, this one? I don't know. Your kids are going to drag you through it? I don't know. I, here's the thing about it. I was talking to my daughter about it the other day. And she's like, I'm not hearing good things. Which daughter was this? Not Daddy Issues, the other oh, one. Oh, not Daddy Issues? Yeah. Well, I don't think Daddy Issues would go see this. She loves Mean Girls. Does she? Yes, because she is one. You think she could get mad if we, since we're calling her Daddy Issues on the radio? I don't know. But the other <laughs> thing was, I says, I, it's not, it's not a, a good enough movie for me. If she doesn't get hit by the bus at the end, that's <laughs> well, the only way. You have to way. go see it and find out. That's right. So maybe I will. Maybe I will. All right. Uh, this week, we're going to review an older movie. Ryan picked this one. It kind of deals in with, you know, the Emmys were just handed out, and daytime TV is a lot about Emmys and those kinds yep. of things. So we're going to review Morning Glory. I had never seen this one. I watched it. I actually enjoyed it. Hey, it was a good one. It was a good one. And then one topic that we haven't really talked about or a genre of movies, we haven't really talked about sci-fi movies. Yeah, like we've talked about special effects and stuff that's really a part of sci-fi, but not really sci-fi movies. We have, and, and I think I know the way you went... I saw what you were going to do, so I went the opposite direction because I have a feeling that the two that you're going to talk about, you really enjoyed. I did. Yeah. I picked two horrible sci-fi movies. Because <laughs> okay. it seems very easy to pick an, a, a great sci-fi movie, you know, like, I mean, everybody, Star Wars and the Star Trek movies and all that stuff. Yeah. So, But I, I picked some really bad ones. All right. And right here, before we get to any of this, let's do another honest movie review. It's time once again for another Honest Movie Review. Today we go back to 2008, when a book of fantasy romance was turned into a movie called Twilight. You're impossibly fast and strong. You know what you are. Your skin is pale white and ice cool. You don't go out into the sunlight. Say it out loud. Say it. Vampire. Are you afraid? No. I've had mosquito bites that were more passionate than this undead piece of crap riff on Romeo and Juliet. I can't wait to speak with you again next week. 
I never understood the draw of these movies at all. Sparkly. Yeah, I, I don't get a sparkly vampire. I don't get when the movie came out. And I used to always give a hard give women a hard time for this. And ladies, I, I was like, you do realize that if a guy talked about a woman or a girl that was Taylor Lautner's age in the Twilight movies, the way you guys are talking about Taylor Lautner, we would be labeled as horrible people mm-hmm. and possibly even thrown in jail. Yeah. You, you know, my best, my, my favorite part about the Twilight movies when they ended when, uh, when everybody died uh-huh. and then my horrible, most hated moment is when it wasn't real. Right. See? When everyone died, I was like, yes, it's over. And then it's like, that's what could happen. I was like, no! Why? It's just nothing. Make it so. It's nothing but a disappointment. (laughs) All right, when we come back, we're going to be talking about morning glory, so stick around. Everyone on set, shut up. Shut up. These two buffoons are about to talk about a new release. Dave and Ryan's movie review segment one. Action. What's more exciting than a brand new release to the movie theater? According to Dave and Ryan, nothing. They're the first to see it. So you're the first to hear about it. All right. So not a lot, as we've talked about, we did this a couple weeks ago. Not a lot of new movies coming out this time of year. No, we, we uh, saw The Beekeeper. Yeah, They're going to ramp up again in, in February. We got I, I got a lot of movies to look forward to in February. So we kind of stepped back and looked at some other movies. And the one we picked for this week is Morning Glory. Now, this one came out in 2010. It's rated PG-13, one hour, 47 minutes. And it's not real. It's hard to classify. I guess it would be a comedy. It's a comedy with a little bit of a rom-com. Little rom-com to it. Not and much. A rede- and kind of a redemption story. Yeah, a little bit. All right. Stars Rachel McAdams, Harrison Ford, Patrick Wilson, Jeff Goldblum. And she didn't annoy me in this one, Diane Keaton. You don't like Diane Keaton? I do not like Diane Keaton. It's okay. The last good movie, I'm as far as I'm concerned, the last good movie Diane Keaton was in was The Godfather. That was a good one. So, so if you're going to start, <laughs> sky's the limit now, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's an upstart television producer accepts the challenge of reviving a struggling morning show program with warring co-hosts and a little something-something on the side there with Patrick Wilson. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Rachel McAdams is a, a struggling person trying to break it into like the morning news game really yeah she she was working at a small television show in new jersey and they basically kind of downsized uh their department and she ended up getting fired because they were bringing in a brand new someone who just graduated from college and replacing her so she you know she's looking for a new job and she gets a an opportunity um, from Jeff Goldblum's character who runs uh, the network. Uh, I believe it was, what was it, ICB or something <laughs> No, like the funniest part about it is, 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 you know, and nowadays, back then it might not have meant much, but nowadays to drive around with that on the side of a, of a news van, IBS. Oh, IBS, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I love Jeff Goldblum's character in this because he keeps pushing her the whole time. Yes. And she comes in and the first interview, she feels like she's nailed it. And he just kind of looks at her and said, okay. And so now she feels like she's blown it and she gets up and walks out. Yeah. And she's just dejected. And Goldblum calls her and offers her this gig. And so she goes to the first meeting, the first production meeting, and basically fires the main lead. Yeah. The male lead, which was played by... um, Phil Dunphy. That's all I know him as from Modern Family. He's from Utah. Yeah, he he actually uh, him and his brother own a bar. Own a bar in, in Utah. Lake, yeah, uh, the beer bar. Yep, but uh, really good food. So fires him, but the man is a pig. Yeah, uh, he, yeah, he literally it's, is. It's just it's yeah. terrible how he acts. And the female lead on the uh, news program is Diane Keaton. Yep, they keep her, and then they come to find out that she is so Rachel McAdams' character is enamored. With Mike Pomeroy, played by Harrison Ford. Yeah. He is one of these old school news guys. We're talking, in fact, there's even a scene when he's in a bar with like Morley Safer and they're having it, Mike Wallace, and they're sitting there having drinks. But she finds this loophole that her network holds his contract. Yeah. And if he doesn't go back to work, and work for X amount of days or. No, no, it's. it's What was the loophole? The loophole loophole was. so he he's ba- he was basically kind of like in a hiatus where 
they were paying him because he still had uh, days on his like two years on his contract. But if the if the uh, if they offered him a job and he didn't accept it, then they could cancel his they contract. They could cancel his contract. Yeah. That's what it was. So, so he was basically kind of strong armed into it. Yes, and so he comes in. And she wants to mix things up because you gotta you gotta appreciate this hardcore news guy, yeah, that Harrison Ford plays. But she is starting to realize that, and she tells him this: that the line between news and entertainment is blurred. Yep, it really is. So they start sending correspondents out to go. I think one of the first ones is they send the guy out to ride the roller coaster. Yeah. You know, he was first just going to interview people, but then she's like, no, we have to get the ratings up. Put him on the coaster. And he's just like screaming and it's hilarious. And then uh, later on, he's in an air, he's in an airplane and they're doing like loop de loops and he like passes out and his head's like banging against the glass. But, but even though all this stuff happens to him, he loves it. That's what he wants to do. Yeah, they're all for it. And Diane Keaton sees how things are rolling and she's like. Find something for me to do. I don't care what it is. I'll go do it. I don't have a problem at all. So they get, I guess we got to start with the first day that Mike is supposed to go to work with Harrison Ford and he is out and she's like, I am not going to let you screw this up. So she goes and finds him in this bar with Morley Safer and Mike Wallace and all of him takes him back to his apartment and she stays there on the couch to make sure that he makes it to work the next day. Yeah, because he's known for if he doesn't want to do something, he'll go on a bender. Yes. And so he uh, wakes her up the next morning and he's cooking a frittata. Yes. And he's telling her all about the history of frittatas and that'll come into play. (laughs) So he's telling her that they get him on the air and he just is it's one liners. He's just like, no, I'm not going to banter. Yeah. It was not in my contract that I had he, to he banter. Will, he will read the news and that is it. That's all he's going to do. And so all this other stuff goes on and she sees him getting upset and that he is just getting more and more to the point where I, it's not, this is not worth it to me. Yeah. And then he gets wind of this story about the governor. Yeah. And he's trying to, it's actually funny because he's trying to, you could see his mind working. How am I going to get her to let me do this? Yes, yeah. <laughs> so he says, I want to cover, what was it, a garlic festival? No, it was a what, sauerkraut. Sauerkraut festival. He says, I want to go here and I want to cover this sauerkraut festival. And she's like, you do? And he goes, yep. So he gets the, the news van and she's got to go with him. He's like, well, she you doesn't don't have to, but she's, she's, like, like, yeah, she's like, I have to I see want this. To see, I want to see this, yeah. So they go and they show up at the governor's summer house. And he answers the door and they have this very frank conversation about the fact that he is being audited, about the fact that he is being investigated for fraud and where all this other money goes. And he tells and he tells uh, Harrison Ford, the governor tells Harrison Ford, if you don't leave, I'm going to have to call the police. And he goes, I don't think that will be necessary. And about that time, they come pulling up his driveway. And right there on live television is the governor getting arrested. And so he just kind of, you know, and, and that's what he wants to do. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of, as you said, it's kind of a redemption story of him. And then at the, she's decided she's going to take a job at the Today Show. Fast forward a little bit. Yep. Um, and, and he finds out. And so he goes on and the, the, the hard, crusty Harrison Ford exterior collapses and he goes on. And cooks a frittata live on television and tells the whole story of this, how it is, and, and kind of, you know, comes back and she comes back and, and everything is great. Patrick Wilson, as I said, is in this. He worked with Mike before. Yeah, and, and he's the third worst person in the world. Behind, uh, what was it? Was it Kim Moose? Jong-un. Kim Jong-un and Angela Lansbury. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, she knows what she did. <laughs> so uh, it, it's a good movie. If you've never seen it, I... I sat and watched it. My wife had never seen it. We also we sat and watched it together. It, it's a great movie. It was a lot of fun, especially if you like the cast of characters in it. And how can you not like Harrison Ford and Jeff Goldblum in anything? Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> I, I like how uh, um, uh, Rachel McAdams like, your girlfriend is killing me. Can you please give her a dictionary? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then at the end of the show, she's, she's sitting there reading a dictionary. Yeah, it's like, because that, well, that's how the whole thing is approached is yeah. like, she is terrible. Who is she sleeping with? And then it just goes deadly silent. <laughs> and there's like, they just point up the big guy upstairs. So it, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great movie. And like I said, I had heard of it, but I had never seen it before. And I'm glad that, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm glad that you suggested this movie, yeah, Ryan. See, I like good movies. Because it was a good one. I, I really enjoyed it. And 
that's kind of what I got from it. I I don't know on your side what you're looking at or what what kind of drew you to this movie. Well, it was uh, the story basically that um, drew this to me, and also uh, if you if you like this one, there's a TV show on HBO that's about that has um oh, Jennifer Aniston and that's all about a morning TV show as well, and that they kind of took the story from this one and kind of molded into their own because uh, that one started I think a little while after the morning show. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah if you like, you know, kind of like a good-hearted comedies this is the one for you jen's in that <laughs> calm down day you brought her up it wasn't i me. know but i'm gonna have to give morning glory uh four and a half popcorn buckets I, i'll give it four and a half i like i said i liked the movie i was surprised that i liked it as much as i did but once you get into it yeah i mean the people that are in this movie uh harrison Ford, patrick wilson is really good in this yeah. even though he's not in it that much and i can't even honestly remember if there is a time when Jeff Goldblum and Harrison Ford are on screen at the same time. No. I don't I, think they no. are ever. And and like I said, Diane Keaton wasn't even that terrible in this. You just need to stop hating, Dave. I just don't like her, man. <laughs> I just don't. We're going to bring you around. This is movie number two that you like with her in it. Okay, fair enough. All right, so there it is. Morning Glory. Go see this one. Four and a half buckets from each of us. It was a good one, and it's out there. Coming up, we're going to talk about sci-fi movies. Good, bad, or indifferent. Hey, idiots. We're back from commercial. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment two, and action. All right, so it's easy to find sci-fi movies. Some, in fact, some of the greatest movies of all time have been sci-fi movies. The Star Wars trilogy, you know, um, yeah. star, some of the Star Trek movies were, and, and I mean that by great. They're all sci-fi movies. <laughs> but uh, so Ryan's picked a couple that he really likes. And one of them I have actually seen, one of the ones you're talking about, and it is a great movie. So we'll talk about that. And then I went through and went the other direction. And I found two really bad science fiction movies, and we're going to talk about those. So, Ryan, go ahead. You get it started. All right. So, uh, for the first uh, science fiction movie, I went with District 9 from 2009. It's a rated R, and it's based off of actually a short film called uh, Alive in uh, Joburg. Now, this is a South African film. Um, This actually was supposed to be a Halo movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, did it go south really quick? Yeah, well... The reason it was changed is um, uh, so what did the so the producer was Peter Jackson. Okay, and I remember that. For and they more. wanted Peter Jackson to direct the Halo movie, but he wasn't able to. And he said, "Hey, I have this guy named uh, Neil Bloomcamp who who directed District Nine. Um, he actually did a a short film, a little short for Halo Landfall that came out in two thousand seven. Um, you can Google that Halo Landfall. It's a really cool short. Yeah. Uh, so um, Peter Jackson was actually supposed to film the Halo movie, but he was busy at that time, and so he's like, "Oh, here's my buddy uh, Neil," but uh, they didn't want to go with it, and so they kind of scrapped the whole thing. But uh, this, uh, so uh, District Nine was written by Neil Boomcamp and Terry Tatchell. Uh, it stars. Uh, I'm gonna slaughter these names. I'd say it's Charlotte Copley. Yeah, you'll know him from Chappie, Hardcore Henry, the A Team. He was great in the A Team. He was. He was uh, the the crazy guy. Yeah, the crazy. He tried to st- <laughs> uh, basically uh, kickstart a uh, ambulance with a defibrillator. That's true. <laughs> uh, David James, you'll know him from uh, TV shows, uh, Deep State and Dam. Uh, Jason Cope, uh, you'll know him from Dread, Chappie, and Doomsday. Uh, so, but this is basically um, a story about uh, aliens that come to Earth, and they basically they get stranded. Um, they're in they they come into Johannesburg, South Africa, and their ship's not working, and it's just floating there. And basically, all the aliens are like refugees, and so they put them like in this uh, in a camp. Yeah, uh, it's not a concentration camp, but it's like an area where they can't leave, and it's like the slums. Basically, it's like. Worse than a third world country. There's no electricity. There's no running water. They're just like, stay here. You guys are creepy looking because they look like giant bugs. Like, don't leave this area. And basically, um, so uh, Copley, his character, he's uh, he works for the government. And it's his job to go in there and check on uh, the um, 
alien residence. And he goes to this one house um, because he's got information that um, he's the alien living there is working on some sort of science experiment that they're not supposed to do. Uh, and he gets sprayed with a, a liquid that's basically kind of their biotech. And he starts slowly changing into one of them. And towards the uh, halfway through the movie, he becomes one of them. And it's basically uh, trying to contact his wife. And he figures out a way that uh, gets the big alien mothership to work again. And it takes off. And that's kind of the end of the movie. Um that you know that it's going to come back for all the refugees, but at the end of the movie, it's basically gone, and you're just like, this is a cliffhanger. And they're actually working on a second one that's just been taking so long. To well, do that's it. what I was going to say. I remember them talking about it after this one came out, and this one came out, what, 2009? When this one yeah, came out, they were already talking about a District 10. Yep. Yeah, they're, uh, I think uh, when I was looking, it's, the it's not going to be district 10 it's going to be like district i think it was uh district reactive or something like that basically the the mothership is coming back to pick up all the aliens and well maybe extract a little revenge yeah you know they're going to see you basically treated our people like garbage so here's the middle claw and <laughs> you know what's disappointing though what's not that? one of those aliens saw independence day <laughs> well, I don't think it was the same universe. I think we send Will Smith and Jeff Bloom to take care of these guys. Two people, and it's done. Yeah. Jeff, if all else fails, Jeff Goldblum will get that mothership working. If all else fails, Jeff, or uh, if all else fails, Will Smith can just slap him. <laughs> slap start it. That's right. Slap hands. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, the next movie I went with was 2015's Pixels. It's rated PG-13, and uh, basically this is uh, when uh, video game aliens uh, or an alien species that's able to make uh, basically live video games uh, and comes down and tra- challenges Earth to a few games, and basically winner takes all. You know, this stars uh, Adam Sandler. You know, everyone loves Adam Sandler. Kevin James, uh, Michelle Mogan, Peter Dinklage, and Josh Glad. I like Josh Glad. Yeah. You know, Olaf, the mm-hmm. singer. Do you want to build a snowman? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. But this was uh, directed by uh, Chris Columbus. Uh, you'll know him from Adventures in Babysitting, Home Alone 1 and 2, Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, Harry Potter, Sorcerer Stone, and Chamber of Secrets. So he's got good acting or good uh, directing credentials. Uh, this was written by Tim Harley. Uh, he's from SNL, and he's worked on almost every single Adam Sandler movie. So this had a great cast, a great uh, writer, great director. And, you know, the story, the story's, you know, it's kind of like another redemption story like we talked about with uh, Morning Glory. Adam Sandler's kind of... Um, not necessarily down in the dumps, but he's kind of a slacker. Basically, finds his place in the world as basically saving the world because he's good at video games. Right, and I think that's where everybody kind of comes in too, isn't it? He like puts this team together. Yeah. So Kevin James and Adam Sandler's characters—they were friends since they were little kids. And Kevin James's character ends up becoming the president of that's, the United States. I was going to say, yeah, I think, yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and so basically, he, you know, Adam Sandler and Peter Dinklage—they uh, competed in the '80s at a video game tournament, and uh, Peter Dinklage's character won because he cheated. And basically, they got to form a team to basically fight all these aliens, and so. Adam Sandler, uh, Josh Collad is kind of like uh, his fanboy. Um, Peter, they get Peter Dinklage because you know he beat Adam Sandler. Uh, Kevin James at the end of the movie he comes back, but Kevin James has only really been good at the claw machine, <laughs> and so he's he's working like this giant um, uh, I don't know a crane in the movie. <laughs> uh, and then Michelle, she's uh, the basically. Um, uh, a general in the army that Adam Sandler and her kind of uh, have a a thing. Good for him. But yeah, <laughs> but overall, this is a good family movie. Um, definitely watch it with the kids. Uh, and yeah, I highly recommend this. You know, I, I just want to be Adam Sandler. Because look who he lines up to be his leading yeah, ladies. Every, yeah. Aniston every, at about two or three times. Yeah. Brooklyn Decker, mm-hmm. Michelle Monaghan. I, they're all there. They're, he's not missing anything. I think you're, he's checked you're, every you're box. You're forgetting one. What? The one that started it all. Well, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. yeah. 
They've been in a couple together, so yep. I really enjoyed Blended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Julie we, Bowen from yeah. uh, Happy Happy Gilmore. Yeah, we sh- we should do uh, an Adam Sandler movie thing one time. We could yeah. we could talk about that. But go ahead, Dave. All right, show us your horrible sci-fi movies. So yeah, like I said, we we all know good sci-fi. Yeah. We really do. But there's a, there's a dark side. <laughs> there there's a dark. Come to the dark side. And of these sci-fi. are even beneath the new. You know, like. Uh, seven, eight, and nine Star Wars. Uh, the first up for me is 2008's The Happening. Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Deschanel, and John Leguizamo in this. A, a lot of people movie. have classified this as possibly M. Night Shyamalan's worst movie. And what it is is Mark Wahlberg is, I believe, a science teacher. John Leguizamo works with him. Zoe Deschanel is, is Mark Wahlberg's wife. Something starts happening. People just start dropping dead they start losing their minds they, they're going they walk crazy. on top of buildings and just kind of just fall yes off. and i will only say this one the one that got me was the lawnmower i'm going to leave it at that um and it's just really it's humanity attempts to survive a life-threatening cataclysmic danger as it manifests out itself out of the blue sky so they're going through this whole movie and nobody can figure out what's truly happening scientists can't figure out What's going on? Why people are doing this? Uh, there's nothing really outside that they can see in the atmosphere in outer space that would cause people to do this. They're looking at all these people trying to figure it out. And a high school science teacher figures out the lamest excuse and the lamest Ooh, villain in any horror movie. It's the trees. It's the trees. The trees are talking to themselves. When the wind blows, the trees are talking. Yep. And they send out signals, and that's what makes these people go crazy. Yeah. At the time, I get it, M. Night, you're trying to, you know, save the world, save yeah. the planet. Well, well, he was known for, he's known for movie twists. Yes. And, you know, after the first two movies that he was, re- you know, he was known for, you know, The Sixth Sense, and then uh, what was the... Um, oh, you had Sixth Sense, you had uh, Unbreakable... You had the the one where they're like uh, pioneers, but they're not. Oh, pioneers. the village. Yeah, the village. That one was even dicey as well. Yeah, but a- after that, you know, people, you know, they're like, oh, he's known for twists. So what's the twist? What's the twist, Em? Uh, you know, that's uh, the that's the funnier thing about it is, is how would you like to honestly go back, put yourself in his shoes, and go back to at just after. The Sixth Sense came out, and everybody talked about, oh, I never saw that coming, and then you've got to top that. Yeah, well, I th- he did The Village right after that, didn't he? Oh, uh, I think Unbreakable was next. Oh, Unbreakable? And Unbreakable is a great movie. Yeah, he, he so he did, he's done a few that were good, but then, you know, you you can't be a dead horse into the ground. No, and, so, and you so can't. You got you know, even like Spielberg and Tim Burton, they, every few years, they basically reinvent themselves. Yes, and, and so you've got to switch it up a little bit. Not everything can have a crazy twist ending. Yeah. Uh, although I think he knocked it out of the park with uh, Knock at the Cabin Door. That was a great movie. And then one, and I don't know if you ever saw that one. He actually was just the executive producer on it. But Devil, that it takes place in the elevator. I have not. And what it is is there's four or five people in the elevator, and one of them is possessed. Ooh. And it just bounces around between all of them. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, Yeah. The Happening, there are so many other better M. Night Shyamalan movies out there. Yeah, not, Watch not The Sixth Mark, Sense not again. Not Mark Wahlberg could save that yeah, movie. Mark, could, he could have brought Optimus Prime, and it might have been okay. <laughs> but yeah, go go watch The Sixth Sense. If you've never seen it, go see Unbreakable. Watch that instead of watching The Happening. Bad, bad movie. All right, my other one is recent, just a couple years ago, Moonfall. It's a Patrick Wilson kind of week here on the show. Patrick Wilson and Halle Berry. Directed by Roland Emmerich, speaking of Independence Day. Um, This one is an action-adventure sci-fi set in 2011, following three astronauts' space shuttle mission to repair a satellite. In the meantime, before tunneling into the moon's surface, a bizarre swarm of extraterrestrial technology strikes the orbiter to terrible consequences. So here's how I watch this movie. We were flying to Orlando on a red-eye flight, and it was the only thing I could find to watch. Let, let's be honest. You watched it because Halle Berry was in it. No. I, I, I tried to find other things to watch. This was the only thing. Maybe she was what captured my interest. I don't know. <laughs> but it is just, it is not, it's just not good. Mm. It's just not. It, it's so unbelievably far-fetched. 
Uh, it, it basically boils down to the fact that there is a space station, an, inter- an extraterrestrial space station on the interior of the moon. And they go and yeah, it's just it's just not a good movie. <laughs> it, it really isn't. And Ooh, what a twist. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, there was just nothing else to watch. You know how when you're on a flight and you and they give you all these other movies and like most of them you've seen four or five times already. Yeah. And this was one of the new releases. So I, I watched it. I'm ashamed to say that I, I watched it. Yeah. I didn't even do it because I needed the money. <laughs> it was just not good. So stay away from Moonfall. As much as I like Patrick Wilson, as much as I like Halle Berry, and Roland Emmerich is pretty all right, too, as a director. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, stay away from Moonfall and definitely stay away from The Happening. That's really all I got for you. Yeah. All right. Hey, coming up, we're going to do our first interview here on the show. We're going to talk with Warren Workman. He's a friend of Ryan's, and yep. he is in charge. Him and his wife, it sounds like, yes. are in charge of the Utah Film Awards. So that's coming up right here on the Dave and Ryan Movie Review Show. All right, imbeciles. Everyone quiet down. Dave and Ryan's Movie Review, Segment 3, and action. All right, so joining us today on the show, we have Warren Workman with the Utah International Film Festival. And there are a lot of movies that happen to be going on here in the state of Utah. And every February, they have a festival, and it culminates with the Utah Film Awards. So we've got Warren with us today. We're going to talk a little about the festival itself, and then we're going to get into... Uh, the awards and why they do what they do and, and keep doing it. Warren, once again, thank you so much for taking out the time to join us today. We really do appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I love talking about what we do and letting people know more about it and hopefully invite a few folks to come join us. So let's get into um, the whole Utah International Film Festival. As I said, it's taken place in February and it culminates with the Utah Film Awards. So how long has this been going on and uh, what all... Is it's a big festival goes on for I think you said starts the twelfth of February and runs through the seventeenth. That's exactly right. It starts Monday the twelfth at ten a.m. and it goes all the way until midnight on the seventeenth, which is a Saturday. So Monday through Saturday, it's going to be a whirlwind of film awesomeness. And, and I would assume that there are screenings going on pretty much throughout the valley, or do you kind of keep them in one spot? Well, it's actually, that's really cool. So we're, ho- we're housed mostly at Maven Cinema. So if you want to see the movies in person, uh, they're playing at a real movie theater. It's uh, the old sticky shoe, Maven Cinema. It's a two-screen theater, and we have movies starting there very early and going very late, and they're just back-to-back in two-hour blocks. Uh, we're playing about 152 projects during that time frame. And I say projects because we have music videos, short films, feature films, series, um, documentaries and narratives. So we have a lot that's being screened. So yeah, there's a lot going on. And I believe if I understand correctly, we have more films made here in the state of Utah than any other festival here, period. Wow. Like almost combined. And, and that was that was the made. next question that I have. Do you guys have, what kind of cr- criteria do you have to submit a film for the International Film Festival? So the biggest criteria we have is really it's open to anybody to submit. We're an open genre festival. So we're not, you know, we we don't have a very big niche. Like we're not like a Christian film festival. We're not a fantasy film festival. We're pretty open to everything. Uh, We do have some films that we don't like to touch. Um, Those are usually your your racist or misogynistic type shows that really are polarize your audience. And and, and people are just like, oh, I feel icky when I watch that. That's really not the kind of shows we want to watch. But we'll take things like slasher movies and all, we'll get all gory and stuff like that because there is an audience that would love to watch that sort of stuff that's really active. And there's an artistic thing about gore and horror sometimes. But there's not a whole lot when it comes down to racism and misogyny. So we're just like, yeah, it's going to get rid of that stuff altogether. Okay, but so- we, have, we have great docs. We have great shorts. Um I mean, we really do run the gambit. We even have a mental health block, which is something that's near and dear to my heart. So we have a little bit of everything for everyone. And as I'm looking, there are 177 movies on this list. There's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We have about 25 of those are screenplays, but 152 of those are actual screened projects. So there's a lot. (laughs) 
So let's talk for a moment and just get maybe a little background in the the film festival and the awards. How long has the film festival been going on? So this will be our 13th year. Um, It didn't start off as a festival, though. So it started off as the Filmed in Utah Awards. It was just one night where we would celebrate films made in Utah. It was kind of like our way of having a little Oscars party just for the locals. Because, you know, quite frankly, if you're not Scorsese, you're not going to be invited. (laughs) Yeah, I remember going to the, the second one you guys had. Yeah, mm-hmm. You were at the uh, uh, the Slick Campus. The, yes, the one on it was State at Street. the Grand Theater at the Salt Lake, yeah. uh, Salt Lake Community College Slick Campus. Um, and that was our second year. Our first year, we were at the back of the Bombay House in Provo. <laughs> so it was like it was up a small group of us, but we had great food. <laughs> yeah. well, and, and where are you going to be this year? Oh, this year is our biggest year yet. So screening-wise, we're in American Fork at Maven Cinemas. We're there Monday through Friday. Also Monday through Saturday, we're in Vineyard at Enigma 3. That's where all of our panels and our workshops and a lot of our networking events happen. We also have a masquerade ball that takes place. We also have our big fancy award shows back. And this year, we're actually having it catered so that it's going to be more like the Golden Globes than the the oscar style stuff and we have really ramped that up we have a full-on production team coming in it will be broadcast we'll be broadcasting the red carpet uh all of this will be going on live and uh it's going to be the biggest thing yet we're also going to be in provo at the hive collaborative and we're going to be in orem at the uh classic fun center we have a roller skating party over there and I think we have another thing in uh, Vineyard at about time, Pub and Grub, where we have a, a little evening social cap every night of the, of, the, of the whole festival. So we're in about four or five venues throughout the festival. Uh, so we're, we're all over the place. And we have right around 75 events, I believe, that happen throughout the festival. All right. So this is the point where I'm going to turn this over to Ryan because Ryan is – is the guy when it comes to this kind of stuff. And, and I'm going to kind of let you two go at it and talk about some different <laughs> things and discuss. Because as Ryan said, he's been to this festival before. Yeah. He's been to the awards show. So I would love to get his perspective on the whole thing. And, I, and I even won an award there. one year. I remember. Yeah. You yes. won an award. I have pictures of that. Yeah. Your mom must be so proud. <laughs> she was very proud. Yeah. She's got that big old statue somewhere in that house. Well, she should. Uh, actually, uh, it was, uh, I was collaborating with uh, Sue Rowe. Uh, we won for uh, a short film. White Wings yep. or something. Yeah, it was yep. White Wings. See how yep. good? Like, yeah. like a steel trap. You know, you know. <laughs> yeah, but like it I said. It swept a lot of awards that year. Yeah. It did. Yeah, but like I said, uh, you know, I went to the this very second one that you guys had. It was a great show. Met a lot of people. And then I've been to uh, two other ones where you guys, where the uh, award show was in Provo. Uh, gone to their, they have networking, um, like like speed dating networking. Um, there's mm-hmm. little seminars with talk. They bring special guest speakers. You know, it's, it's not just an award show and, uh, you know, a festival. It's, you know, it's kind of like a collaboration to bring filmmakers together and get people, you know, ideas and basically find people to help you make your film. That's exactly what we're shooting for. So even this year, we have a huge emphasis on our screenwriters. So we teach We're having workshops, workshops on how do you take a brain dump of ideas and make it into a screenplay? Yeah. People who teach them about pitching, which is how you sell your screenplay to people who actually have the money to make it. Um, and, and then we even have a thing called Pitch Boot Camp, where Ooh. we take people through that process and it kind of accumulates it to the very end of the festival where they do what's called Pitch Tank, where we have people who are ready to green light films in the audience. And they're, it's kind of like Shark Tank meets American Idol, where these screenwriters take the stage and they say, here's my story. If you want to take it, um, here's my QR code. Let's connect and we'll talk about options. Yeah, so. uh, yeah. Um, in fact, uh, me and uh, uh, my my former associates that I when I was living in Salt Lake, uh, we met a few people like that, and uh, we did music videos, uh, we did short films, we even did a feature film. Um, that um, I'm not really sure what happened to it, but it did get finished. <laughs> um, but was this the was this the uh, like the Bigfoot film? No, uh, this it was uh, the film was called American Nobody. It did get done. 
Yeah, saw, it, it just never it got even released, released or, at our did festival. It? I think really it screened at our festival. Yeah, I did not this know was that. Several years ago, this was yeah. pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah. I, I last thing I heard was he wasn't going to release it, and so that's the last I heard. But yeah, if it got released, awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no, re- it came out. Yeah, we re- we screened it. <laughs> I remember the f- the first film we uh, uh, that I went to the award show. It was Chick Magnets. That uh, that was a. That was it. Was a disaster day. <laughs> you know what? Here's a great thing about Chick Magnets. Chick Magnets was a great film for people to learn on. Yes. And then a lot of the people who worked on that movie have gone on to make even better, well, yep. much better films since then. And so it was a great film to learn on. So uh, I would call it a success. Well, what I thought was really funny was so um, our Chick Magnets uh, poster. Um, there was a a movie that came out just a little while after it had uh, Alan Arkin in it. Um, uh, it was about some old guys, and their poster looked exactly like ours because the guy who made ours also made theirs. And we were <laughs> like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> that is pretty yeah. cool. That is very cool. <laughs> yeah. All right, so once again, this is going on February 12th through the 17th. Uh, do you guys have, like, a website that people can go on and get all the information and everything? We do. It's theutahfilmfestival.com. And if they come over here to the website, they'll see all sorts of things. We put uh, editorials on all the different shows that are there. Uh, if people are interested in volunteering, they can sign up on the website for that. Uh, if they want to watch the movies anywhere in the world, they can sign up and watch it on EOflix over here. Uh, so there's lots of different options to participate with a festival, whether it's in person or virtually. And we'd love to be able to uh, ex- expose people to cinema yeah. Uh, specifically indie cinema uh, during that time frame. And, and hopefully people will get excited and uh, and really come and support local filmmakers, but indie cinema more importantly, which honestly you'll find much more interesting stories yeah. in the independent cinema than you will that's coming out of, uh, well, Netflix or Hollywood in general. <laughs> and and uh, the filmmaking can be quite interesting at some times. <laughs> like, yes. why, did, why did they do that? <laughs> yes yes you'll you'll like these stories though a lot of these stories are like will touch your heart and will pull at your heartstrings and other ones will just make you go you know we've got a few of those yeah so warren i guess the question would be and i you know i got to put you on the spot there are a lot of movies here but is there one in particular that you've seen is there one that you're hearing a lot of buzz about that people are like this is a really good flick maybe you should go check this one out which one should we go to Okay, there's a couple. Now, you guys in particular, I think you would like this movie called He Never Left, okay? It has, um, it's the guys from the witching season who won a ton of awards in an earlier uh, festival. And it's a serial killer movie. It's a serial killer feature film. And it was made here in Utah with a very small cast and crew. You wouldn't have the slightest clue by watching this movie that it was done on such a meager budget. And they're just, they've been selected by almost every single festival they submitted to. It's just sweeping up all the awards. And it was made here in the Beehive State. You guys would love He Never Left. Um, think, shows that I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed I Be a Witch. Uh, that was made by the Jewlanders. And they did a fantastic job. Again, this was really interesting. They made most of the movie in their garage. But you wouldn't know it because it looks like it's an old Salem courthouse. Wow. He actually built a soundstage pretty much in his garage to shoot his movie. So that was pretty impressive. Uh, if you're into romantic movies, you might like to watch Love and Focus. Love and Focus has been uh, is is a rom-com, again, made here in Utah, uh, made by Robert Andrus and uh, oh, I, I he was Robert. one of the producers. Robert's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, and we got Brandon Ho as one of the directors and uh, – Oh, gosh, there was another director, and I'm just based on his name, but I work with him all the time, so I'm feeling really bad about this. Um, but there was just an amazing team of people who were involved in that film. Um, we have a few documentaries that are that have come out that are amazing, uh, including Where the Rope Ends, Where the Rope Ends is going to be uh, screening over there as well. Oh, we have another one about uh, PTSD and the fire service. That one is amazing. It's a double feature in, a, in a, just a – hour and a half block uh for those who are looking at you know how do we help our heroes you'll want to take a look at that uh block right there so uh, lots- we also have a really cool sci-fi short called to air 
Mm. And that one, if, if you are a fan of the twi- old school Twilight Zone, you're going to want to take a look at Two Air. It's also been sweeping up awards at all the festivals. Nice. So uh, that's just a few off the top of my head that I really like, and I think you guys yeah. will enjoy And people them. can buy tickets on the website? Hopefully they'll be able to buy them today. <laughs> we're, we're, that's what That's been the bane of our existence, or, or at least uh, our festival director's existence right now, is just getting all this stuff over to Maven Cinema so they can start selling them. But Maven Cinema has just got those those assets earlier this week. They're working on getting that up on the website. And as soon as they're up on the website, yeah, you can buy tickets until they're sold out. All right. Now, the other oh. neat thing is we're also working with EOFlix. Now, EOFlix is our virtual partner. So they're able to screen all these movies. Well, not all of them. The filmmakers are agree. But they're able to stream these movies online. And we're working with landmark theaters all in the UK and around the United States. So if people want to watch the Utah Film Festival in a real theater, they're able to do that as well if they're going to a landmark theater. Oh, nice. So we'll have yeah. ways to check it out at home. We can go and watch those. And a uh, lot of great things. And I would say by what you're coming at us with here and everything that we're seeing, in our, the, the landscape for Utah cinema is pretty strong. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, it is. We have a robust industry. Last year alone, uh, I worked on three different big budget SAG films, all shot here in Utah. And and I was on, well, like, I would have worked more, but they were all kind of compounded on top of each other. <laughs> so, yeah, last year was very, very busy in production, which was, has been common. Even during a writer strike, even during the SAG strike, Utah wasn't really all that affected by production's coming here because yeah. we're still a right-to-work state. And we negotiated with SAG really early to make sure we can still keep shooting. We made the homestead. We made Omaha. We made One Big Happy Family. And we still got our other films made as well. Some people who normally shoot here, like David Wolf and his Hallmark movies, decide, you know what? We're going to maybe we'll take our crew here and go to another country and film. So he filmed Silent Hill. And then we also had uh, Jared, who did Napoleon Dynamite, who would have, again, filmed here, decided, you know what, maybe we'll go make Minecraft outside of the country during these strikes. And he took Jason Momoa over there. But, you know, that's kind of the stuff that could have been made here, but didn't because of strikes. But Utah was still very busy. All right. So once again, we've been speaking with Warren Workman of the Utah International Film Festival. Warren, thank you so much for taking out the time and talking to us today and kind of bringing all this to light and letting everybody know where they can find all this. Check out the website. Once again, the International Film Festival will be February 12th through the 17th with the award show coming up on the 17th. Warren, we hope you last and make it through the awards <laughs> show and the the screenings and all that, and good luck to you. Thank you very much, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Warren. All right, so that's going to do it for this week. Come come back and join us next week. You know, Ryan, you're welcome to come back, too. Uh, I'll see if I can fit in our right. schedule. <laughs> okay, you guys take care. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Dave and Ryan's Movie Review.